Subscribe to NerdPod with Coach and K-Rock wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. So Bill Maher instantly loses 2 million followers when he attacks the king of the nerds. A Sundance film gets the Jeff Bezos treatment. Insomniac teases Spider-Man PS4 sequel that may already be in production. All that, plus we sit down with Marilyn Bigliotti and remember Veronica and Clerks 25 years later. This is NerdPod. In a world overrun by content, the line between good and terrible is blurred by the very people who create and sell it. In a sound studio in New England, two average Joes are pushing back, giving their observations and recommendations on comics, video games, TV, movies, and more. Two men, one quest, one desire. You're listening to Coach and K-Rock's Nerd Pod. The Nerd Pod, episode 22, we're here. What's we made it. up, brother? What's up, my man? What a week, man. We had a... I mean, it's been a kind of a quiet week and we'll get to everything, but... Uh, what a week. We had some pretty exciting stuff happen, huh? Yeah, it was it was a weird week. It, it, this is the time, right? So award season, it seems like um, mm. people are busy. We get the SAG Awards tonight. We had, uh, you know, Golden Globes were a couple weeks ago. Then you had the Oscar noms, which we're going to talk about. And so I think, I don't know, from that perspective, I mean, obviously we don't just talk about that stuff, but from that, from our, like, the, it, it, things slow down, casting news slows down. I feel like mm-hmm. the biggest, the like, casting news this week was that the dude that plays... Uh, Diggle from uh, uh, what is it? Arrow is uh, in talks to play uh, Green Lantern for you know like uh, to play John Stewart Green Lantern, uh, which could be cool. But that was sort of the biggest thing that came out. So it's it's a weird week, right? It it, it sort of yeah. allows for you know we're not in in big box office season. No major game releases, um, you know, comics. Everybody's just sort of resetting from last year, so it's it's sort of a slow news week. But yeah. um, but here know. at NerdPod, we had a pretty exciting um, interview this past week. We finally um, are getting into the middle of the, the Clark's twenty fifth anniversary celebration, and um, we had a, a chat with uh, Marilyn Gigliotti. It was awesome, man. So how cool like, was that? <laughs> uh, it was great. I mean, you know, you uh, and I said it on on uh, Instagram. I said, you know, it says don't don't ever meet your your heroes, and I'm like, anybody who says that has never met Marilyn. She's uh, she was super gracious and super, and, and she's active. Listen, she's um, she's not too different from us in the sense that she uh, just wants to be a creative artist and and. Uh, and get art out there for people to consume. And so, um, you know, she was real down to earth. She was uh, really cool. It was a great interview. It was surreal to me. You could hear it in the interview. You can you said it to me, I think. Uh, you could hear in her voice, like you could hear the lines from the movie in her voice, which uh, was exciting for, you know, certainly I've seen that movie. I've fallen asleep to that movie for the last, I don't know, 24 and a half years probably. So right. it was it's cool. Uh, uh, yeah, it was sort of it was good and shocking and, uh, and and exciting. And then afterwards, she was helping us uh, lock down some other interviews. And she's just great, you know. And, and yeah, uh, so I'm I'm excited to uh, uh, continue on the relationship with her. She's got some good stuff going on, and uh, we're hoping to be a part of that. And it's good. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, 
I, I know, I know I, I, the Bill Maher thing is, uh, out there right now. And, and, um, it's kind of on the subject that we're talking about just now with clerks and obviously Kevin Smith and how Bill Maher weeks ago, right around Stan Lee's death, um, came out and was pretty much slighted comic book fans and people who, you know, grown adults who still read comics and, and all of that. Right. Um, huge fallout. Well, that's what you get, right? I mean, I, I yeah. just, for a guy who's supposed to be so, you know, live and let live, um, I think that your true colors come out. So I've always, you know, Bill Maher owns a piece of the Mets. He's a Long Island guy, um, so he's sort of from my region, and I've always had some level of respect. But, um, and much like Joe Rogan, he, who you know I love, mm-hmm. he is not afraid to give people a platform, right? If they're, if they're brave enough to go on the show, he's going to have them. The problem that I've had with Bill Maher lately is that, um, you know, he might be taking it too far. Like he gushes over some people. And, you know, like he, he almost pandered to Milo Yiannopoulos and he almost panders to Ann Coulter. Um, and this isn't a political show. That's not what we're getting into. But what I'll say is I think he's he's beginning to change and, and I don't even understand what the negativity would be. Right? Like, I, I don't get it. So is it that, he's irrelevant is it that the trump stuff is you know like is that what's making him so negative because i just don't understand why you would even take that shot on stan in the first place and then i mean and and you asked right like why not just mm-hmm. let it die right just like let it go. You, 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 who cares you said it let it go <laughs> um and and so here's my here's what i was thinking as a response to that is so he comes out he says this stuff about stanley do you know the numbers because i know the numbers of, of, I don't. Okay. I don't know the numbers. How many people were impacted that had left Bill Maher since that? Um, but I've have heard it was pretty staggering. It's staggering. It was like two hundred thousand in the first twenty four hours, and it's creeped up to two million at this point. Whoa. I mean, you 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 lose two million subscribers and followers of your of your content. That actually will prevent you from negotiating. Like that, like that's a negative in your negotiations on a new deal with whoever you're trying to get. Whether he's out there doing stand up or he's re upping with HBO, two million subscribers is a lot. And so, so here's what happens: he goes out, he says something stupid about Stanley, he loses a bunch of people. In his, you know, his style. If somebody comes up to him, he is never gonna say. Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. You know, stupid thing to say. He's not going to apologize. So he's so he doubles down, and, and and he's like, I didn't want him anyway. Good riddance. Anybody who's a fan of stuff they were a fan of when they were ten years old is pathetic. And then he and then he attacks Kevin. Well, now he's. I mean, the number. If you just go to Twitter and hit refresh, the number is going down every single minute that you hit refresh. So I listen. This this attacks the core of who we are, right? This because because we do this show, we work really hard. We have families, we have uh, uh, pets, and mm-hmm. we have a responsibility to the people around us in our jobs and all that. We do this as an escape to that, and we hope that people listening on the other side are taking it as an escape to you know they're listening on their way to work. They want to know what's up with movies. They want to know what's up with comics, and to attack that, um, you know, it just. It, it, it's kind of sad and it just speaks to the to the angriness that he is uh is taken on lately and kevin's response uh was amazing 
Kevin tweets back like, well, he goes, uh, uh, it's all good. He goes, he can, he can act like a tough guy now. Um, but really he's just a stoner at heart that really runs away when he's confronted. So, uh, I thought that was a great (laughs) response, right? Like if Kevin goes to him and, 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 and confronts him about it, he's just going to pander like he does with Ann Coulter and my, uh, Milo Yiannopoulos. So, um, so we give, we give you a, a giant middle finger from nerd pod, Bill Maher. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, uh, good riddance. I won't be watching your show anymore. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Peace out, Girl Scout. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I unfollowed him, you know, instantly to after the stand thing, never mind the cabin thing. So he's good. Mm-hmm. Well, the cabin um, thing is do... that, that's it. I'm done. Like, yeah. Leave it alone. You don't have to be a tough guy all the time. No. And especially when you're not. <laughs> yeah, really. Like you're just a stoner dude from New York that lo- loves baseball. Generally, you know, he's clearly like the biggest lefty ever. Um, but uh, again, you know, uh, controversy sells and um, saying, you know, offbeat stuff sells. And uh, maybe it's how he's getting his brand back. But whatever. Um, I say best of luck to you, but you won't be getting any of my money. And if I could... Uh, if I could stop being a Mets fan, I would never stop being a Mets fan, but um, maybe this show will get popular enough that I'll get enough money that I can buy his share out. So that, <laughs> um, so get on that, nerd pod fans. Hit that subscribe button and, and donate to the show so that Coach can buy the Mets. I like That's it. right. <laughs> I, like, I like that point. They all add up. Cool, man. So Absolutely. video game news, right? Spider-Man. Um, so I, I actually saw the tweet come across. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was kind of excited about. It. I was, I was even more excited for you. Is that? Uh, oh I know, my god! Yeah, that game exciting, was a monster right? game in 2018. Spider-Man for PlayStation Four, meaning it's exclusive. So it's not going on Xbox. It's not going on Nintendo. This game is only for PlayStation. So very limited in terms of audience, and it absolutely crushed sales. Um, and they were smart. They had lined up all the downloadable content ahead of time. So it's basically very episodic. Like you had the main story and then they released downloadable content for another story behind it for three or four chapters and kind of like a, laid out like a comic book the way it told it. So it was really good and it, it's still going on and, and still playable today. But the thing that you pointed out to me was um, there was a teaser that hit Twitter from their creative director, Brian Inahar. Um, from Insomniac, and to quote, few things are more nerve-wracking than sharing your first story draft to others, end quote. Um, I think I take it, you take it, and probably everybody else who reads it took it as the first teaser or even idea that a sequel to that Spider-Man game is coming out. Oh, for sure, yeah. And and I think that's the overall... um you know, that's the overall vibe out there in the world. And listen, hats off to, to, to Sony for this, right? Like I just, uh, you look at how badly, um, the movies went and, you know, the, the Spider-Man movies, uh, towards the end there where you couldn't, you know, they, they just, they didn't, their left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. They were losing stars left and right. Um, but then the leak, right? The leak comes out and, uh, or whatever you want to call it, the hacking of their, uh, of their system. And it really looked like Sony entertainment was in deep, deep trouble. And what they've done since then is made an incredible deal with Marvel to get Spider-Man into the Avengers to keep it relevant, 
they they get the two guys that are fired from Solo who have the best maybe comedic timing of any duo, directing duo in the business, uh, to direct uh, into the Spider-Verse. And then not one incredible game, but then right right soon after the follow, the follow-up sequel, uh, only on a Sony PlayStation. And so mm-hmm. uh, Sony Entertainment when you when you look at mistakes being made across everywhere mistakes happen and sometimes mistakes take companies down what sony has done since that um and and lots of money will allow you flexibility to make mistakes but what they've done uh i hope uh, kathleen kennedy at lucasfilm is watching right now on how to come back from a disaster uh, and take take a page out of the Sony book. This is how you handle a property that's in trouble. Um, and I hope DC's paying attention too, because this is what you need right now. The brand is bigger than ever. Look, Spider-Man is huge in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one of the favorite characters, huge in the video game front, and now Into the Spider-Verse takes it to another level. So I've never been a huge Sony Entertainment guy, but hats off. Great job, Absolutely. Sony. Looking and I've read that Marvel has been looking at the the playbook they used to create Spider-Man, this studio, Insomniac, and there's nothing preventing them from saying, okay, great, let's build either build on this world that you've created. So if you haven't played the game yet, just know that you have a fully playable Manhattan to play in. Um, you can go in the streets, you can hang in the buildings, you can go see everything that's there. And so the, the map is done. The hard part's done. Now they can simply go over and lay new skins on it to make things look different, add new characters in, bring maybe Daredevil, Punisher. The list goes on and on, right? Jennifer Jones, if they want to go that road. Marvel can literally go to Insomniac and Sony like, okay, we want to continue this path. Like, let's build the Defenders universe within Spider-Man's universe and have them all play together. I mean, they, it's really that wide open for them. They can do anything. It's right. so... So yep. smart, and they they have a good formula to follow. Make it a story um, story similar to a way a comic book would flow, right? Um, and don't be afraid to to take chances and risks. This story wasn't a, a Spider Man origin story. In fact, this was a Spider Man who has done the job for years. Yeah, yeah. So it yep. wasn't like a retelling or a replay. It was just brand new, and that's why it was so good. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. Sony did, and Insomniac, especially the studio that created the game, just did a phenomenal job on this. So um, that's great. That obviously you can tell in my voice, it gets me very excited because I want to play that game now. <laughs> so. Right? I know. I know. It's good. So, um, and speaking of games, this actually seems like a um, a good transition in to talk about uh, something we've been teasing. I think we're only a couple of weeks away from uh, our game pod show is are actually currently in production. So I, I heard from those guys this week and uh, they have started their uh, initial episode. I think they're starting to lay down some tracks and they're starting to do some good stuff. So uh, cool. look for that right here on this channel. It's going to be uh, sort of a game specific. I'm sure that, that K-Rock is going to be showing up on that show to lend some uh, expertise at some point. And uh, I think that they're going to get into, um, you know, pretty, they're going to, they're going to 
drill down more than we do uh, mm -hmm. specifically in video games. They're also uh, going to be talking about the business behind the games, and and uh, it's going to be a great uh, addition to the Podacy family and the and the Nerd Pod uh, channel. So you'll be able to subscribe right here. It'll be your your same uh, subscription line, same logo, same everything. Uh, it'll just be titled a little bit differently. So really exciting. Look forward to that. So why don't we do The Week in Geek? And now, The Week in Geek. So, yeah, Glass comes out, right? Um, what do you got on Glass? So Glass, uh, I haven't seen it yet. Have you? No, not yet. Not yet. No, I, I think... Um, there, Glass has been a very fortunate movie in, a ter in, in terms of when it was released because literally nothing is going on right now in January that's competing against it. So it wins the weekend again. Um, the box office number I've heard this morning as of Sunday morning is 16 million um, and it will be in first place. Uh, have you yeah. heard anything further about the performance against the other movies? Yeah, so it, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm hearing a little bit higher a number. I'm hearing like 18.5 to 19 um, okay. for this weekend. Yep, so a little bit higher. Um, and then so their 10-day right now is like 73.5 million, uh, which is good. Uh, I mean, I think, um, you know, they wanted this to – I think that they targeted this around 140 and, um, you know, or, or maybe even a little higher, 150. Um, it's it's currently about 7% behind uh, time-wise to, to split. Uh, but again, split was, uh, it had a different thing going for it. it nobody, nobody knew that this film tied into um, Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this isn't three films. This is the third film of the trilogy, right? We, it's not like Glass had his own and uh, Bruce Willis's character had his own. And now, uh, you know, and then James McAvoy, that's not how it played out. It was one movie, then a second. This is the third. I, I um, So I, I think that the surprise element that Shyamalan brings uh, did that for Split. Uh, and it got that, that in their third, fourth, fifth week, they saw higher numbers than anticipated. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this time. So I think this may finish around there, 10%, 7 to 10% uh, under, um, probably do really well, um, you know, in post, in digital and, and Blu-ray, probably do better than the other two. So uh, listen, they make it up somewhere. Um, it's still going to be successful. I don't think it'll get a fourth movie, but um, not bad, right? I mean, $73.5 million is not too shabby after one week of, uh, or two weeks, 10 days, whatever. Um, not too bad at all. No, I'll be in to see it for sure. Um, I like the first two, and I, I want that payoff, right? I want to see what happens in this third film, so I'll be there. Yeah. Sarah Paulson's always good. I mean, I, I know I keep saying that, but um, mm. yeah, I, I got to get there too, and I will. I'll get there. I'll get there. So Sundance uh, so, is going on now, right? Uh, yep. Sundance is going on, which tied in with our conversation with Marilyn, uh, which was mm -hmm. awesome. But um, so, of course, Amazon, um, you know, not it, because Whole Foods and the United States Postal Service isn't enough. Amazon needs to come in and, and make the biggest deal ever at, at Sundance. Um, yeah. With crazy, uh, Mindy Kaling. Right? Remember Mindy from uh, The Office? And yeah, yeah. She had another show, too, that was on Fox for a bit. I can't remember the name of it, but very, very funny actress. And um, 
she's been her name's been like she's been producing right she's been doing some writing and uh, yeah she she's, pops up here and she's there good. yeah that I think the Mindy project was her show Mindy project um, yep and That's and it. I think it was on Fox but then it got picked up by Hulu my wife watches that show she loves that show um, mm. where Mindy plays a doctor it's pretty good um, you know for for that sort of thing so uh, big money. Thirteen and a half million dollars. I mean, uh, that doesn't that doesn't generally happen uh, at Sundance. It's the biggest deal in history. Biggest That's deal in crazy. history coming out of Sundance Film Festival. Uh, How is that even called possible? Late Night? Like, I know, I know, nuts. It, it wow. The, of his, of all time, that's the the most someone's paid. That's crazy. I mean, good for uh, Mindy. These good are, for are, Mindy. Congratulations. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So. Um, and many of these films go on to be, uh, you know, to get optioned by studios. Um, but look, here, this is the, uh, the 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 golden age of content, man. I said it. Who was going to win this? And it's and it's it, uh, in another piece in Week in Geek uh, news coming down the pipe. It's all about uh, distribution, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's uh, you go there, you know you have a winner. So my guess is that this film lines up along the same lines as Amy Schumer's Trainwreck, right? Like uh, it's going to be popular. It has the right actors in it. Um, it has a good feel. It's going to make $150 million. It's already shot. Uh, this is a dream, right? So now you mm-hmm. go in there and look at how many... You don't just have three studios looking anymore. It's not three or four studios looking to option a film. You have 15 big players at the table that can write you a check now. And this is going to keep happening. It's going to keep driving up. And uh, it's exciting, man. It, it, it uh, This is good for artists and artistry. This is good for... But uh, at the same time, you're not pitching concepts anymore. They're like you used to go to Hollywood, and even in our world, right? Mm-hmm. We would go to in our world. We would go get a, a meeting with a program director from a radio station, and we would play them our demo tape and say, "We want to do mornings for you, and this is what we'll produce for you." And it just doesn't. And, and the same thing in Hollywood. Um, now you produce it, you do it, you make it. You find a way to make it with whoever's money, and maybe you get an investment. But now, right, that, that that's what's happening. You have to make mm-hmm. it and then sell it, as opposed to pitch it to get it made. You create your um, own. It's a new world. You basically create your own story of success here, because yeah, you make it. It's the opposite of the way it used to be. You make it yep. first, and then you bring it, and hope and pray that someone picks it up. That's right, um, and that's why you're seeing things like uh, you know Kevin Smith that uh, with with Hollyweed. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, it, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, it's it's just a whole new world out there. Um, so, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah, another one that um, is getting a lot of Sundance buzz is the Zac Efron movie, uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evi- Evil, and Vile. That's the title, I believe. <laughs> it's a, I think that's kind of right. a tongue twister. Yep. Uh, but it's Zac Efron is Ted Bundy. Um, <sighs> I know. What do you think? It's, I've seen I've seen the um, Ted Bundy is the thing right now. It's been like thirty years since his execution. Uh, that's not a spoiler. It's history. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and there, if you look, if you turn on Netflix right now, there's there's a like a Confessions of Ted Bundy or or something like that, like an interview style thing, the documentary. So he's, I don't want to say he's hot right now, but you know what I mean. He's I in the yeah. he's in the public. 
spotlight because the timing of it and everything. So I had no idea this movie was getting made. I think I read a rumor a long time ago and I kind of didn't usually when I hear about serial killers in movies, I get kind of turned off because it's, it's, it's one of those things like we should not be celebrating this person at all. But what I've read is this isn't glorifying him in any sense of the way. It's actually a take from his girlfriend that he's that he was with for a long time. She was with him during the murders that he had um, committed. Uh, Elizabeth Klopfer, I think her name yeah, is pronounced. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, so it's from her point of view. So the trailer that I watched was very... It was intriguing, and because it was so intriguing, I'm bought in to watch it now. Um, if you haven't seen it already, the trailer offers, and this is a big important thing to me, as you know, it didn't offer any spoilers of what we're going to witness in this movie. And I can promise you this, this movie is going to be probably very graphic and disturbing. The trailer makes it look more like an action drama, but trust me, that's probably because they couldn't show you anything else. <laughs> yeah, so. no, that's true. And it's exciting. And this actually has brought just this conversation, what you're listening to you talk has brought on a whole new line of thoughts for me um, on a lot of things. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I'm thinking about, um, you know, because it has that sort of the retro feel to it because of the timing. Um, it also... Right. Yeah, Black Mass. Um, it, it, yep. It, it also made me think of that, that this weekend I started uh, the new American crime story, the Versace, Andrew Cunanan, um, sure. which is just incredible. I yeah, mean, Darren Chris won the Golden Globe, but it is really, uh, really fantastic. And um, and they don't glorify Andrew Cunanan either. It's just really, um, you know, telling the story and how sick he actually was. And mm-hmm. uh, and Gianni and, and Penelope Cruz is, uh, you know, plays uh, Versace's sister just incredible incredible um this one might be even better than the oj one but uh i digress it also has me thinking about zach efron in the greatest show and i remember um watching the greatest show i am a huge fan of musicals zach efron came from high school musical um we've always been a fan he showed his chops a little bit in charlie st cloud a boy uh, uh, you know about a young man who lost his brother um and it's a really good movie it's on netflix now i believe uh it's a little dark but it's uh you can really see the chops and there is no music to it mm-hmm. you also got to see the the acting chops a little bit in um in the greatest show and I'm watching and I'm and I remember watching and being like, wow, this this is an interesting role for him. It was almost like a James Martson kind of role. And I, does that make sense? Um, it does. What I'm saying, like the kind of roles that he like, like Martson would have been perfect in that role, like a, a rich sort of benefactor. And a and, and then I remembered why he was in the movie when they broke into their first musical number. So, you know, Hugh Jackman and Zac Efron together, I'm like, oh, this is why it's not Martson. But he surprised me. He really did. And so I think this is going to be the showcase. I think that K-Rock might be doing what I did with uh, Rami Malek in uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and calling the Oscar nomination already. I like it, if you are. Yeah. Um, I, I I think this, I think you're right that this is his opportunity. Um, and, and this I is his he- uh, Leo DiCaprio moment. And what I mean by that is if you go back in, in history, Leo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, he was, he was that person back then uh, when he was a, you know, teenager going into early twenties, 
He was the heartthrob. He was in all the uh, those those types of movies, like the, that Romeo and Juliet movie, very shiny Titanic style movies, right? He was that person, that heartthrob. It wasn't until he started making different decisions for himself in terms of I'm I'm no longer going to do these these shiny, sparkly type of looking movies. I'm going to go into the grittier side of things, and he, like Departed, right? Um, yeah. Or those those flicks uh gangs of new york that didn't put yeah, him that's in that light started. anymore you know what i'm saying it's true. and and it it changed his trajectory and he's become one of the most go-to bankable stars and however you want him to be and he leo is funny he's dramatic he can make you feel all range of emotions and he never takes himself too seriously efron <laughs> has a lot of those same characteristics. From what I've seen, what I don't know the guy, but you know what I mean? He's shown that in his movies. He's He'll play the dumb jock kind of frat boy in Neighbors, and and he's playing like a, a, a over-the-top version of how people see him. He's probably not that way at all, but you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's it's a good point. And, and, yeah, and, and Leo, you're right. I mean, Leo had... Uh, Romeo and Juliet, and he had, but but then I, I think where you and Titanic, those two uh, are very similar to you know High School Musical appeal to the masses, and then uh, and Zac Efron, Seventeen again, and and uh, you know a, a bunch of uh, and you said it, Bad Grandpa. Well, Leo went after what's eaten Gilbert Grape. That for me was probably you saw a little bit of his chops in there and Johnny Depp, mm-hmm. and it was good, uh, good flick. But then when it really started, you know, Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks, and then yep. he does the aviator and then he does all of those movies that's when you started to see this is a very interesting character actor and you're right this is the opportunity for Zac Efron to do that I can see um Tarantino casting uh although he he says he's done but I could see him casting uh, Zac Efron in something uh he falls along those lines it's a great call and I hope this is as good as it looks and I hope that it, it carries true I'd love to see him in more stuff like that Absolutely. So before we move on, um, the one thing we need to do uh, to add to our list is Rotten Tomatoes score. This is too early, so the critics have not put in scores in yet. So it's, as of today, still nothing out there. I know it's being shown at Sundance right now, so I'm sure this is going to happen pretty quickly. But based off of what I've looked into in terms of articles and written about it, um, some of the buzz around the trailer... I'm going to say 85, maybe even 90 on this. I think this is going to be a fresh, certified fresh. I don't think it's going to perform well at the box office because it, it is going to be probably a very hard R um, for people to deal with. But I think 85 or 90, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's right in that wheelhouse. Um, I'm going to go 85. Well, I'm going to go maybe even higher, 94. This could be like the rare 100. It really could. Mm. Um, you know, the the uh, Danielson 100 uh, is what we should start calling it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. I mean, I, this looks like exactly the kind of thing that, cri- that you know, critics love. So I'm going to go, yeah, 94. That's where I'll Okay, mind. so uh, 98 and 94. We're going... We're- Cert fresh, and this is going to be a little under. This is going to be under the radar completely, I think, for a lot of people. So cool. It will, and that's cool. So, um, just really quickly in the in the terms of uh, films getting bought, and in Sundance, one big 
announcement. We actually probably should have put this in the front of the show. I know where but, you're going um, with this too. Yeah, you, I know, you about do. It. <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, is Kevin Smith uh, so exciting uh, that um, Jay and Silent Bob reboot finds a home with uh, Saban Pictures and Universal options a show for a theatrical release. Universal stepping up big. We love it. I love it. Right. So in place of the uh, of the newly disbanded Merrimax films uh, or with the Weinstein companies, um, it's great. It's um, we get to see it in the news. theater. We, it's it uh, couldn't be. That's happier where it belongs. I read that. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that's where it belongs. So, so good for Kevin. Good for the brand. They continue and. I would love to see them, see him keep uh, making movies in this universe. Um, let's do it, like, right? And and if this does even remotely well, which I think it could, um, you know, we might we might finally get um, you know Clerks three. Um, all I think all you need to do with Clerks three is writing it right in a tragic death um, of somebody, and the rest you have uh, enough character development to make it carry right and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that you could make a Jay and Silent Bob uh, movie um, and you could do it without uh, Randall um, and you could put Dante in there and you'd be fine. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, Kev, if you're listening, I think that's the play. Anyway, yeah, we got a couple of writers over here would love to work with you. <laughs> yeah, 100%. We could make it happen. We sure would. So, um, so in any event. So uh, the last thing that happened this week that was really exciting uh, was the Oscar nominations. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's interesting that how quickly we forget because I, I was so excited um, to see Black Panther get the seven that they got that I, I got to tell you, I completely forgot, completely forgot about The Dark Knight, right? Like, it, it, it that movie was nominated as a comic book movie for a lot of awards. And... Yeah. I almost don't view those movies as comic book movies. Like they're right? just not traditional comic book movies. I mean, that, oh. that is a drama. And uh, so I, I, it is a comic book movie. It is a DC movie, but this is the first time, you know, and that also shows how much Marvel really stands out. That's, that's how different these movies are. They can actually make me forget that the Dark Knight existed. And I was like, mm-hmm. look at this, first superhero movie ever. And then I was like, oh yeah, not at all. <laughs> so um, That's that other it, small one that's a billion in the Billion Dollar Club. <laughs> in the Billion Dollar Club by the greatest director of all time, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. So, By the way, uh, um, this is in addition to that, like bridging off of that subject, Chris Nolan has announced that there's another movie coming out. I don't know what it is, but it's uh, this summer. Yeah. Did you hear that? I did. Um, mm-hmm. really so maybe it's exciting. Inception Part Two. It is not. He will not go down. <laughs> although, but Warner, I got to catch up, right? I, yeah. I, if it's well, Part Two, I, I, I'm just I've res, I've resigned to it. I don't think you're ever going to do it. So I'm it was on TV yet, now, yesterday, but it was halfway through. So I said I can't start now. I can't start now. Um, it's it in the middle. I would have missed you're everything. Lying. I know. Um, so anyway, the uh, and this at this point, I think the the buildup would even be too big. Like it would have to be, um, you know, it would have to be the Godfather wrapped inside of Citizen Kane uh, times three for it to flying to a Tie Fighter. To, to, that's right, flying <laughs> a, 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 flying a Tie Fighter exactly um, for it to 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 live up to the hype and the buildup. So I, I, I'm actually changing my position and saying that I don't even want you to watch the stupid movie anymore. How's that? <laughs> Uh, anyway, 
So anyway. we get the Oscar noms, right? Oscar noms. Yeah. Too early. For, yeah. I, I don't want to pick now. It's too early. I, I, there's a few that I'm, I've yet to see, probably more than a few. So I, I do need to catch up. I, I think you do too um, to have a better idea of what we want or what, what's out there. What we'll but pick. Yeah, yeah. what's some yeah. of the early, um, you so, know, uh, your early favorites re- or, or, or surprises or anything? Yeah. So I, you know, the whole debacle with the, you know, um, advancement in popular film or achievement in popular film, like mm-hmm. I, that was a nightmare. And so, uh, I mean, they, they may as well have just called that the Black Panther Award, right? Like, because that's what it was. And, or the, uh, because, you know, it should have been in animated or, or not should have been, but it would have been. It would have been relegated to some, you know, visual effects and some, maybe some cinematography, uh, costume design. It was never going to make a best picture. So they add this category title, then they take it away. So I knew uh, that Black Panther was going to be up there. Um, and I still, and I don't think that it, it's going to win. I don't think it can win. I thought a more important um, nomination would have been uh, best director for Ryan Coogler, which didn't happen. So that I was a little disappointed happen. by that. It didn't That's a happen. huge disappointment. So it, it is, Come on, dude. guys. You got to get these right. And, you know, they did this to, they did it to Ben Affleck too, right? Where, <clears throat> uh, or actually he was, no, he wasn't. Ben Affleck was not nominated as mm-hmm. best director for Argo, but then Argo wins best picture. Yeah. So and, it was, and it, on that subject, another one, if you notice, is uh, Bradley Cooper's not on best director. Uh, is he not? Is that true? No. I thought he was. No. Um, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, Yar- Yargos Lanthim- Lanthimos from The Favorite. I'm, I'm sorry, I screwed your name up. Spike Lee, Adam McKay, and Powell Palakowski. Huh. Really interesting. And okay. so Peter Farrelly's um, not on it. Um Bradley Cooper, I mean... And no Coogler. I mean, Coogler... No Coogler. Uh, now, who, again... Who had a monster seen. movie this year, and it was yeah. great. Yeah. He actually had two monster movies because he also had Creed Two. Um, Creed Two, yeah. Which he was a producer and writer on. So, uh, here's what I think. Uh, for me, and you know because I was live, sort of live tweeting you mm-hmm. uh, as this was going on, I was most excited uh, for Spike, right? I mean, that's... Yeah, Spike um, Lee. You know, I, I, my father and I, um, stood outside men, you know, couple, couple days worth of, um, of spike shooting, um, do the right thing in, um, in Brooklyn. And a lot of that was shot in a, in a sound stage as well, but some of it was not, some of it was shot on the streets in New York, some in Manhattan. So, uh, I feel like I've always had a tie to spike for that reason. Um, he's been, wildly under the radar a lot of things stacked against him because he says big bold brash and even sometimes stupid things that don't you know in his activism where he doesn't make sense and people don't like him um but it it it, this was a small film denzel washington's son it's a john washington uh is Mm -hmm. the uh is the main actor adam driver gets a best uh uh supporting actor nod i was really excited that it ran the gamut right adam driver is nominated um and then uh he gets nominated for best director and it gets nominated for best picture so that's my um you know what i'm most excited about so black Uh, clan we're hoping for big things but uh yeah, I, I um, have a feeling the, the the dark horse of this whole thing is actually the one that won the Golden Globes, and that's Green Book. Yeah, I think that's your avocado. That that is that movie is the is the human equivalent of, of your avocado toast. It is. Avoc- um, nothing wrong with avocado toast. 
I it's delicious. It's salty. It is delicious. It's, and it, and it's, I, it fills you up. It's crunchy from the toast. It has everything you need. But here's the thing is that <laughs> not everybody, not everybody likes it. Um, and I think here's the other thing that I think. I think that some people say that they like it and, and they don't actually like it. They just want to pay $13 to look like they like it. Um, because they should like it because, um, you know, in in Austin, when you go to South by Southwest, you have to have avocado toast um, or, or you're not part of the, the group. So um, there are there are movies. That was a great analogy. I don't even care. Um, there are great movies out there um, all the time. And there are great movies that don't get made or don't get recognition. Um, and movies like this. It just feels like it's made for award season. I've said this to you before. I'm saying mm-hmm. it again. Um, I, I, I lost in translation. Okay, uh, Sofia Coppola, Bill Murray, uh, Bill Murray. I watched a do- the new documentary on uh, Bill Murray on Netflix, which was really amazing about like the legend of Bill Murray showing up places, doing people's dishes. It was it's it's actually really great. It's only like an hour and a half long. I highly recommend it. Oh, cool. uh, it was it was fun. Yeah. Um, we did that yesterday, and um, so and I watched The Fighter on Friday night too. What a movie that is, man! Um, You're the Fighter with uh, Wahlberg, with with Bale and Wahlberg. Yeah, oh, that um, is one of my all time favorite movies. So if you, it, my recommendation is to watch the watch it like this. Go in, watch The Fighter first, but then have the HBO Fight Showcase. Uh, Gotti Ward ready because Mark Wahlberg narrates the HBO special and it really picks up right after that last fight, which didn't actually happen that way. Um, he never won any championships. Um, he lost that fight and, um, ultimately, or he won it, but it wasn't for a title. And then he instantly goes into these fights with Arturo Gotti, um, which, you know, the, the first fight ninth round, is considered the greatest round in professional boxing history, um, in which I agree. Uh, I mean, it's it's a Rocky movie times ten by two of the best warriors that I've ever seen, uh, Mickey Irish Mickey Ward and mm-hmm. uh, Thunder Arturo Gotti. Uh, amazing. So anyway, I digress. Um, I didn't mean to, but but watch those one after another. It'll be the best three hours. You do that like some Friday night or Saturday morning, you'd be thrilled. Um, so good. And then, but anyway. Films are, so I think Lost in Translation, Sofia Coppola, I think that film was made, and Scarlett Johansson was made for award season. I think it didn't make sense to anybody. I think at the end of it, it was so subjective. And so it was, it took Coen Brothers and, and went 10 times past it. And I think that people didn't like it. I don't think the masses liked it. Uh, I think that it was a movie that was made for award season. Some movies like Lost in Translation, are made for award season in that way, as there's they're artistic and you don't really understand them and they don't have a good solid ending. They're not really thought provoking, but they're supposed to be. Then the other ones um, are made for award season, are simple and heartfelt, and you go and you get an actor who's won an Academy Award and you find a director whose people recognize their name. And that's how I feel about this movie, man. I, I'm not knocking it. Listen, Peter Farrelly's a Rhode Island guy, right? I want him to win like anybody wins, but I just feel like this movie is teed up, dude. Like, I, that's what I feel. I feel like it's just teed up for award season, and it's just a it's a feel good movie. I don't know. Like, I feel like we've had this movie. I feel like uh, 
there was, uh, that's the other thing is that like, I've seen this story before. I don't know where, yeah. but I, I uh, it just feels recycled to me. So yeah. I'm well, sorry. I'm, I, I, I'm sorry. I disagree with you. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe it is a dark horse. Maybe it is a great movie. Um, but you got two Academy Award rock stars. Like, you know, it's like Gangs of New York. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was teed up too, <laughs> right? So um, some are and some aren't. It certainly felt like to me that this was made to win an award, you know? Yeah, maybe so. And um, I think it's going to do that job. It's going to win. Um, Vigo is the man. I love his film, so... I can't. Yeah, I mean, like I, I said, I have this teed up to. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, so I could watch it and come back and say, you know, I was wrong. <laughs> but um, I have it pre-ordered, so when it comes out, I'll be checking it out right away. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it it definitely has the pedigree to be an award movie for sure. Uh, but I don't necessarily think the story is one that we has been told before in this way, and or if it has, maybe I'm don't know well, it's not, not the same story but i feel like um you know just like the maybe it feels like the help to me maybe mm-hmm. um where things get reversed and uh, or the 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 oprah led movie with uh with the lazy eye guy about the uh the, the, the butler, butler in the in the white house right like Forrest whitaker the lazy yeah, eye for, guy. <laughs> I, I um, sorry yeah Forrest whitaker okay um so I, I, it feels like one of those movies to me and, I, and it's not, and I know like that probably didn't sound great because, uh, but, but there are, uh, it's not racially motivated or driven. It's not, there are, are great ways to tell. I mean, uh, what was it? Um, uh, the, the movie that, uh, he won best actor for, I mean, there are amazing roles and movie and films out there for black actors that speak to the, to the, um, to the audience, that's not at all what I'm saying. I just feel like there are times where Hollywood tees up certain things and and uh, wants it to be a winner. Mm-hmm. I don't, or does every movie get made that way? I don't know. Am I naive to not think that, you know, like was Bradley Cooper thinking Oscar when he made, like, I feel like he wasn't. I feel like he was just trying to make a a, mo- a, a good movie. Like, I don't think that he, when he wrote this, like, ah, oh, this is it. This is the Oscar, right? Like, I feel like books are are even out there and they go, all right, which one of these is an Oscar winner? And yeah. I, I, I feel like that's what happened with this, you know? Yeah, I, I don't know. And actually, it's a good question. I, I wish we could ask somebody. Do you, does, and I know the answer is going to be like, no, I, it's on its own merit. I like reading it. It was artistic, blah, blah, blah. Or is that a bunch of BS? And when in fact, they are going behind their head like, yeah, this script is good, but you know what? I, I can see us putting it in and, and no one, it's not going to do well, right? There, there's definitely dollar figures and dollar bumps that you get when something wins any award. So I, I have a hard time believing somebody when they say to me that that doesn't factor into their decision-making process when they decide to you know, option a script or something that has to be like, okay, what's the likelihood this thing's going to win an award. And now I'm not talking about normal, like blockbuster type, you know, Michael Bay schlocky movies. Like those we know live in their own world because they make a ton of money anyway. That's right. But, like, like Brett Ratner movies, right? Like Brett Ratner is never making a movie thinking this is going to be the one. <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah, that you get me. the point. So it, it's like, yeah, exactly. If I'm Peter Farrelly and I'm saying to myself, this sounds like this script looks good, but, do I think you can make it in, would it, 
could it make me that extra bump if, by winning an award or, or getting award notice? I think that weighs very real on this. So I, to answer your question, I think movies do get made with that in mind. They're never going to admit it because that's a greedy thing to admit. But I do believe that many times I think that- if you're going after this type of this style of a movie, whether it's Black Klansman, whether it's the favorite Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, Vice, that's playing in your, your mind because you're taking a risk making a movie like that. And you're like, if this was to get any type of Academy, just the nomination alone gets me more money. A win gets me even more money. All right. I think Unless, I would be in those shoes, like taking a risk like this. I would want that <laughs> weighing in, right? Yeah, and look, I mean, Adam McKay picks Christian Bale to be Dick Cheney. Hey, dude, come on! You you, you know that Bale won for losing all that weight, right? Like yep. he knew he'd have to, and and then won again or was nominated again when he added the weight for American Hustle. Then he lost it again for something else, like. Uh, so uh, you think that Adam McKay wasn't like, yeah, he could have picked anybody. He could have picked 50 million white old guys to play Dick Cheney. Paul that Giamatti. Done right. Paul Giamatti. It's done. You have to, you have to change a thing, right? Like just put glasses on him and dye his hair and he's perfect. And, you know, but you need, you need a British guy, right? That, that's skinny to play Dick Cheney. Stop yeah. it. You, you absolutely know what he was going after. And the same thing, dude. So the favorite, feels like the king's speech right you Mm -hmm. the king's speech was absolutely written for the to win and the favorite just looking at it at the period it's written to win and you know listen the the best part of of these movies are i think the ones that sneak in that aren't trying that aren't just ridiculously pretentious that aren't although maybe bradley cooper putting lady gaga in there Mm-hmm. was probably that move, right? Yes. Like, that <laughs> was, was that, that move. move. Like, it was that move. She's going to write so, and perform a song that's that's going to be a shoe-in to win, right? Best song for the Grammys, Oscars, Golden Globes. Yeah. yeah. Those decisions are all born out. If, if someone's just telling, like, I don't, the more we're talking this out, the more I'm like, Becoming jaded. And totally, do totally agree. I'm t- I, I, we are evolving this, and I'm like every one of these movies. I'm looking at the face of this girl from Roma, and she's just like, and and, and she's looking out the window like, geez, I really hope I win an Oscar. That's that. I, I look, look at the picture. I know you look. You're looking at the same one. As I have me. it in front of she's me right looking now. Out, I know. She's looking at it and being like, I'm going to get paid. But look, it doesn't always work out, right? Because look at the guy, the I am the Captain Now guy from from, from Captain Phillips has not been in one movie since being <laughs> nominated, right? So it doesn't oh, always God, work yeah. out for everybody. Um, yep, yep. You know, but now uh, Bradley Cooper turns into uh, Clint Eastwood, right? Clint Eastwood sure. was a, as big a director as he was an actor, so that, that was his segue into it. People need that, and so I am getting a little. I'm looking at these three pictures from what we from what we did our show prep on, and it's the woman with the it's the king's speech, just mm-hmm. the king's speech, but with women instead of men, um, and the middle is. I'm a super hot actor that's won a bunch of stuff. Let me put in Lady Gaga, who's artsy enough to make this happen. And then the picture from Roma uh, of, uh, you know, oh, man, 
So listen, this is about Spike for me because I don't think any of them want Spike Lee in, in the room. I think they don't want him there almost as much as they don't want Sasha Baron Cohen there. I truly, I believe that. <laughs> right, they right, don't right. want them there. And so I think that, and listen, Rami Malik is, I, I love that guy. And I don't, I think that if he wins, he's going to be really genuinely excited and happy to win. And I think his, that on his point, like, so yes, I am becoming more jaded, but his acceptance uh, for winning the globe was one of the, for me, the best and most real I have ever seen. That dude has been through a whirlwind in the last, mm-hmm. like, four or five years of getting great roles and making really good decisions. And iRobot was a great, smart show that that flew under the radar. And, yeah, dude, that's a real kid up there that yeah. is, is going through. And Lady Gaga has 19 Grammys. This isn't new for her. She might even already have Oscars for, perform, you know, musical performances. So I... Uh, so, but but this this is really getting to the core of why I love the award shows. This is why I love because, like the guys from Pixar, the first time before Steve Jobs, well Steve Jobs was involved, but before Disney bought them and before like right at the new part, those were just nerdy computer programmer guys that were trying yeah. to make three D videos. And when they won, it was amazing. And they uh, and 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 Tom Hanks was perfect. Like those times, I'm looking for those kind of real moments in film, and I think we get them. I do, and I I think that we get them more when Ryan Coogler is up there. We get them more when Spike Lee is up there. We get them less when Lady Gaga is up there, and films like The Favorite are nominated. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. So, good good take. Yeah. Um, we'll get we'll reconvene on this in a few weeks, and we'll we'll firm up some picks of ours and we'll have sure. an Oscar special, but that's our Oscar nom. So I think we're going to cut it here and let's move on to Marilyn. So yeah. I'll let you uh, talk about this a little bit. I'll just say this. Um, we had an opportunity to interview Marilyn, Marilyn uh, Gigliotti from um, Clerks fame who played Veronica and I'm going to let you coach run with this, but let me just say she was such a wonderful person to talk to. And it was so trippy listening to her speak because as you're going to hear in the next segment, her voice is the voice of Veronica. There was no change. Like this wasn't like she was on film trying to change her voice up to be because she was filming. That was her voice. And it was so crazy to me to be listening to her speak. You know, interact with us. Um, yeah, it, it was a surreal moment for me. And um, so we got in, we started talking. And, and one major thing that I do want to talk about in this interview is, you know, uh, we cut out probably the first couple minutes of me gushing over her as a, as a you know, um, a hero of mine or, a, you know, whatever you want to call it. And um, we cut that out. Um, there were questions that I wanted to ask going into this interview Um that I was hesitant to ask because I didn't want to make her uncomfortable. I mean, we were, you know, this is our first interview on this show though. You know, I've conducted plenty of interviews in my career. This was the first time, uh, on this show. Uh, and we want, we're a friendly show. We're happy. We don't want, you know, we're not trying to break any news here. And I wanted to make it comfortable, but there were questions, uh, that I wanted answers to that I wasn't necessarily going to ask. And I think either, 
everybody wants to know these questions or she was just cool enough to know that people would want the answers and she provided them. And, you know, the biggest one was what happened in Clerks 2? Where were you? What happened? Why weren't you in it? Um, and that sort of leads into why you weren't, why, why weren't you in the rest of the Ask Universe movies? And second, uh, you know, what happened with, um, with Jeff Anderson in the fight? Um, you know, he made some comments in the 10th anniversary, that's only 15 years ago, uh, about um, his relationship with Marilyn on the set. So I'm really happy to report that Marilyn addresses both of those things without even having to be asked. Um, that's what kind of great interview this was. So uh, yeah, without any fantastic. further ado, we're, we're going to take uh, sort of the first um, 10 minutes or the best 10 minutes or the quickest 10 minutes or however you want to look at it of this of the interview. We're going to play it uh, a segment yep. of it here. And then we're going to uh, play into the, and then we're going to, we're going to deliver. Uh, I'll actually have K-Rock explain. There you go. Yeah. So what we're going to be getting into here is um, on this show is basically her time 25 years ago to basically when we recorded this, it was the day after the Sundance reveal of Clark. So this is when we spoke to Marilyn, it was the 25th anniversary of her time at Sundance 25 years ago. Uh, life-changing event for her. So what we're going to be covering today is basically her reminiscing and talking about that time of Sundance and how you know, the feelings she had and the excitement. And you'll hear it for yourself. From here, what we'll do is um, we're going to release the full interview and where she gets into more you know, weightier topics, um, You know, dealing with Miramax and the whole Weinstein shadow that was hovering over her that she wasn't even aware of. Also, um, you're right, talking about that controversy, you know, that fight that happened on Clerks with Jeff that also could have caused some bad blood there. Um, and then some just general fun conversation. We had a great time with her. So without further ado, here is Marilyn Gigliotti on NerdPod. So... Big moment for me on the Nerd Pod today. Um, we have a very special guest, as I've been teasing for uh, a couple of weeks. Um, it's Marilyn Gigliotti. Am I saying that right? I, I even I you screwed got it. up. Yeah, you All did. Right. You said so it perfectly. I, I landed that pretty good. So I know I've heard you say, "Just drop the H, and you'll be safe." Right? There you go. <laughs> just ignore the H. So, uh, so thank you so much again for for coming on. Really excited. Um, it's a big year for uh, Clerks fans. It's the 25th anniversary, and you know, it was your uh, post on Instagram that actually gave me the idea of you know we should fo focus and do a little. Uh, something on the nerd pod uh, around the 25th anniversary. So you are the first and best uh, guest of that group that uh, is going to come on. And we're really excited about that. So I'm so honored. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. So to start off, I mean, we're almost to the day right now. Um, and, and 25 years ago on this, I think very day, you would have been at Sundance, right? For the first time. Talk yeah, well, me. the first screening of Sundance was actually yesterday, yesterday. 25 okay. years ago. I had not landed yet. Um, oh, okay. I was not, yeah, I was not in Sundance as of that moment just yet because I was there. It was it was a two-week period, and so they sh had two screenings. Um, uh, wait a minute. They had either two or three screenings, and I actually just I, I have to look at the post. Um, 
But I was there for the second half of Sundance because it's a two-week period that they have it. And so um, I was in the air during the second screening and was there then for the last screening. So, yeah, I think it was three screenings that we had. Awesome. So talk to me about, like, those days for you. So you you flew in. Was it overwhelming? Was it, like, what, what – how – Talk to me about like even how it how it went down. Like when did you get the call and how it, you know, sort of yeah, talk to me about just the experience overall, I guess. Oh my gosh. Um I was just looking at my post actually to see how many screenings <laughs> there were. Yeah, there were four screenings. So um gosh, I, you know, when I got there, I was on my way there by myself. Um Kevin uh, Scott and Dave, I think were the only three that were there at that moment. Oh, and, um, uh, maybe a couple of other guys as well. Okay. And so I got there, they were all out. We all basically, Kevin was very kind to have us crash at his place <laughs> so that we can all afford <laughs> to be there. Um, and, um, I, I was really pretty much kind of like figuring my way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, dropped off my luggage, figured out my way of where I had to go to pick up my badges and all the information and just was walking around and people immediately were already recognizing me. That must have been crazy. <laughs> that was extremely crazy, surreal. Um, <clears throat> I mean, there, there is just, there's just no words to put to how you feel at that moment when you you haven't even seen it there yet people already recognize you walking around town so it was cold (laughs) yeah Yeah, sure yeah um and it's trying to remember it's like i i can't remember what day it was that brian went in um but i did go to a screening of some other film and while i was in the lobby waiting to go in in walks um Oh my gosh, the founder of of Sundance, Robert Redford. Oh, wow. And so I'm just kind of looking at him and trying to be inconspicuous as well while I'm looking at him. Um, And the the, the one thought that that came into my mind was, it's like, huh, he's really winkly. So... (laughs) Well, I mean, he's like, he's old, so obviously, was, but, yeah. <laughs> and then that was 25 years ago. So I was going to say now. 25 years ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then when Brian came in, um, we were walking around town and again, people were recognizing me, but because Brian had shaved his goatee, nobody was remember, re- recognizing him. <laughs> you must've loved that. <laughs> so, so I was basically every time somebody would recognize me and I'm like, Oh, and this is, this is the guy who played Dante. <laughs> <laughs> so I just kind of um, popped in my head here. Like today, I- I'm sure it's different. Cause like you could be on a flight getting text messages saying, Oh my God, wait till you land. This is crazy. But, Back then, we never had that. It's like yeah. you you had no idea until you actually showed up and was actually in front of somebody talking to them. What was that feeling like, right? So it's like maybe it was Kevin or Brian or whoever. They're like, Marilyn, you'll never believe what's going on. Like how – what was that moment like? I, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you because I, I don't – I'm trying to remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember everything like a, that was kind of going on around that time. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's like I, 
I'm sure it was probably that night and they were probably telling us what was kind of going on, but I honestly couldn't even tell you. I, I just do not remember or recall. Um, I just recall that that five days being there was just a whirlwind um, mm. of going through press junkets and interviews and photo shoots, um, trying to get the lay of the land. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to eat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then um, it's like there's certain moments that are vivid and that's basically when we were at the Greek theater and a band was playing and Cheech Marin is there and Brian and I are just kind of waiting to hear word about the meeting with Miramax and Kevin. Um, and it was, it was quite a while too, before we, we heard anything. And, and then once we hear that Miramax bought it and Brian and I go back to um, the hotel that we were at or the condo and just kind of, not really being able to fall asleep because we were just kind of talking about how this was all going to affect us and will ha how will it affect us if it will affect us. And, and I don't mean, you know, personally, I'm as far as like who we are, I'm talking about just, you know, what will it do for careers? And, and for me, honestly, I'm going to say I, I was afraid. I, I just, you know, as much as you want this, when you're getting into it, it's also kind of a fearful, fearful thing because at that time, this was when paparazzi was really kind of starting to pick up and mm -hmm. the whole anonymity and, you know, whether you're going to have, uh, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, it was terrible. I don't know. It was terrifying actually. Wow. <laughs> No, I, I believe that. And, and we, we talked, you know, we were talking about this off air and, and, you know, before we got on, on the, the interview and, and we work in startups, right? So where, you know, that's, that's sort of the thing with the show is that we're kind of average Joe's that, that, that do this show on the weekend. And we work at startups for, you know, the reason of, you know, it's better than going to, um, you know, a, a corporate structured job that already exists. Like we take a risk that the company may not be there in six months, but on the other side, we get sort of stock options and we get, you know, that if, if it goes public it, or, or, you know, it gets acquired, we make more than the average person would make and we get more recognition on our resume. And we, and so uh, we were kind of drawing the comparison to you guys as like, you know, if, if the movie was a startup, you guys were like, you know, the third and fourth employee for Uber, right? Like you, yeah. you, you show up and then the next day it, or, or, you know, soon thereafter within a few months, it's like, boom, you're there and you're getting recognized in an airport. That has to be a surreal feeling. But at the same time, you know, I've heard you describe, um, the casting call is like, Oh, a kid is, is making a movie and he's yeah. casting for it. Right. Like <laughs> it, 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 were these like, uh, so boom, you, you do your, your audition, you end up getting the role, you shoot the film in whatever, 20 something days. And then it, this happens. Did you guys talk about 
like, was this around the quick stop in the middle of the night? You said, well, if this thing really pops off, then this is how it's going to go. And I, I guess that's in any independent film, which you've been in many, plenty. Mm-hmm. Is that the conversation? Do you guys say, yeah, well, if we, if this thing does actually do well, what happens? Do I get the likeness of the dolls that my face are on? Like, how, in, in, the, in the early stages, how does that, and especially around clerks, because I just, I'm not sure you guys ever thought that it would get like this, or maybe you did. Uh, how does that, uh, did that play in? Was that a factor in any of this? Not at all. <laughs> no, you know, I, for me, I can only speak for me. It was about remembering my lines, <laughs> um, you know, and then going to work in the morning and then going there at night, um, having one or two nights of basically no sleep and and then having the pickup shots on the weekend. So, I, I mean, I was probably there two or three days total out of the shoot. Um, so nothing near as bad as far as, you know, not getting any sleep for Jeff and Kevin and Brian and Scott and Dave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who all played Uh, multiple roles in the movie. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's not a conversation any of us ever had because we were too busy making sure that we got the shots, making sure that we set our lines correctly, that we didn't, you know, excuse my language, but fuck up. Yep. Um, you know, and after the fact, it was just going through the experience of like, oh wow, you know, this we did this kind of a thing. Um, I don't, I don't know that we ever had the conversation until possibly that night uh, after finding out that Miramax bought it, and but even then, it wasn't that in depth. And so there she is, and there she goes, it's Marilyn Gigliotti from uh, from Clerks. Awesome, great. Uh, Great interview. I love where we go from here, by the way, Coach. Uh, like where she just yeah. left it off, like uh, about the film getting picked up and, and, and all of that. But this conversation goes a whole nother place we didn't expect. So make sure <laughs> it you sure catch does. that full interview. Full interview will come up uh, very quickly or very shortly after uh, we release this one. And uh, yeah, really exciting stuff. This is the first interview, uh, keep in mind, of, uh, of the Clerks 25th anniversary. Um, we're not going to tell you who's coming, but more are coming. Um, so we want it to be a surprise and we want to also button down some last minute details on who's coming and when. So, yep. um, yeah. So make sure you get uh, that, uh, t- that, that, that gum out. Chew some gum this week and... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Get your get your gum. Uh, smoking kills, right? So make sure that's you right. do that. So, um, all right, boys, let's close it down. All right, boys, let's close it down. Look at me, man. Can't you see that I'm dying? Look at you, man, doing all your wanting. Leaning against me like a goddamn bull. So close, too close, my skin starts to glow. Sweat pouring down. You have been listening to NerdPod with Coach and K-Rock from Podacy Entertainment. Be sure to follow Coach and K-Rock to stay up to date on all upcoming NerdPods and Podacy programs on Instagram, which you can find them at Podacy, that's P-O-D-D-E-S-Y, on Twitter, which is at NerdPodacy, which is N-E-R-D-P-O-D-D-E-S-Y, and Facebook, they're at 
NerdPod.